Isaiah 9, verse 6, which is printed at the bottom of your bulletin. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. Let us read the Isaiah 9, verse 6 passage aloud together as it's printed at the bottom of your bulletin. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look at your word together this morning, we ask that you would apply in our hearts, through the saving power of the Holy Spirit, and through the power which causes the fruit of the Spirit to live within us, we ask that you would cause peace to reign within us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think one of the characteristics of Christmas carols that makes them so beautiful is expressed in it, it fell quite nicely that we sang Silent Night before looking at these passages together. Because Christmas carols, so many of them, have a beautiful stillness about them, don't they? Silent Night, it just goes with candlelighting. You can picture it in a candlelight service. There's a peace about it. And it speaks of peace. The next Christmas carol is number 531. We're not going to sing right now. You don't have to worry about jumping up, Jill. But 531, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. What is the message at the end of that? It reiterates the message of the angels, which says, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do you know the peace of God? That is what the angels, as we read in the Luke chapter 2 verse passage, were promising would come through this child in Bethlehem. Now you don't very often think of peace coming with children, do you? (laughs) What comes with children? Well, things get shaken up and changed dramatically. Crying in the middle of the night. All of those sorts of things. But this child was promised to be a child who would be the Prince of Peace, and who was the Prince of Peace, who would bring peace not just in his relationship with those around him, but to the world as a whole. And were they making that promise that Jesus would bring peace on earth, goodwill towards men, with the same optimism of those who choose the winners of the Nobel Peace Prize each year? Or were they making an absolute promise with certainty that there would be real peace through Jesus Christ? You think about, this is an example of what comes with children. You don't normally think of peace. (laughs) But you think about the Nobel Peace Prize this year. 
It was shared by leaders of Palestine and Israel. And just this past night, we realized that there was another bombing in that area. Peace is not a fact, a reality in that region, but instead it's something that everybody is yearning for and grasping. It has not happened. The Nobel Peace Prize is given for great strides in that direction, but it has not been accomplished. What does it mean that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace? <clears throat> as we look at the Isaiah 9, verse 6 passage, in which he is described as the Prince of Peace, we find first, as we break these words down, Prince of Peace, the Prince means that he is the captain, that he is the chief, that he is the ruler. It's tied to a primitive word that means to rule, to have power over, to prevail over, to act as prince. What all this tells us is that with Jesus Christ, the power resides. He has the power. Whatever we're talking about here, we're talking about peace. It means that He's in charge. He's the Prince of Peace. Now, probably most, if not all of us, have heard of the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom is the word here. Peace. Peace. It means variously safety. It means welfare, health, and prosperity. It means quiet. It means contentment. It means peace. It means friendship. Not only in human relationships, but in relationship with God. And so for Christ to be described as the Prince of Peace is using big words. Words that have a great meaning. There is a lot being said about Christ when He is described as the Prince of Peace here. But how did this work out in His life? How was it going to work out in His life? Was this promise of peace unnecessary? Or was it something that all people need? Now that's a rhetorical question because we all know that peace is something that all people need. Look at the shepherds out in the field. They are the ones to whom the angels said, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, as the King James Version expresses it. Many people would regard a shepherd's existence as the most peaceful existence you could possibly have. What could be more peaceful than living out in the open, under the stars at night, cold in winter, warm in summer, quiet, contentment, tranquility, taking care of sheep. But we see that as the angels proclaimed this news to the shepherds, they kept on exclaiming to one another, and that is the way the passage describes it. They said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And the idea behind the word as they said unto one another was that they kept on saying, Hey, well, let's go. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. If the shepherds needed peace, then everyone needs peace, right? If the shepherds needed peace, we all need peace. The promise was not just given to the shepherds, though, was it? Peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. The first thing that the angel said was glory to God in the highest and on earth. Now it's quite appropriate that this glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men are taught because there is a direct and distinct link between glory to God and peace here among people. What the angels were saying was this, that as people 
give glory to God, and as God is glorified, that only happens when there is peace between man and God. And so the link between glory to God and the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men is inseparable. It's a direct link. Why does there need to be peace? Because of the fall of man from the sin in Eden. Romans chapter 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Skipping further. Verse 11. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Our natural and prior condition is that all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death, we know also from Romans. And so the need for peace is there. Because there is no peace without God and without His work. What is the cost of peace? Hebrews 9.22 says this, In fact, the law requires nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So as we look at the need for peace, we also find that it has to be paid for. It has to be paid for. Would people rejoice if two countries such as the United States and Great Britain had a peace treaty? We have one, right? Yeah, that's great. It's different, though, if Ireland and England have a peace treaty, isn't it? It's different if the Palestinians and the Israelis have a peace treaty, isn't it? Why? Because of the great cost of gaining that peace. So we realize as we look at the cost of peace between man and God, and also human beings between man and man, that the cost of peace was a great cost. It required the shedding of blood for that peace to be made. And we know how that peace was made. It was through the shedding of the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. The new opportunity then to replace war with peace came because of Christ. Romans 5.18 says this, Consequently, just as the result of that one trespass was condemnation, war in other words, for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. That means Christ paid the cost. Now what does this mean? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men in whom his favor rests. A lot of people have a, a question with that last part, in whom his favor rests. What it means is that there will be peace in the lives of those upon whom God shows his favor. A parallel passage to that word, God showing his favor, is this. Luke chapter 2, Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, and you have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. In other words, God's choice. In this Matthew eleven twenty five and 26 passage, 
is a parallel use of the word to this in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. On earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's God who is doing this, and it is God who is choosing this. We not only have peace in our relationship with God, but peace is to reign in Christ's followers. We know from the Beatitudes that God values peace highly. What is the Beatitude regarding the peacemakers? Someone say. Okay. And they shall... Okay. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> there we go. We, we get all these things tied up sometimes. They shall be called the sons of God, right? Okay. Blessed are the peacemakers. Good. But they will be called the sons of God. <clears throat> what he was doing in, in giving this beatitude was showing how highly he, he valued making peace and showing this people who make peace are demonstrating a kinship with him. Because even as he came to this earth and established peace, as we make peace, we are stepping into situations where there is war and making peace. The followers of Christ, we are called to live lives of peace. Romans 12, 18 says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Peace, then, is God's blessing for us to live by. And he says in Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. What this tells us is that if we are willing, if we are willing, if we are but willing and have peace in our relationship with God, that peace will be the characteristic of our lives that will reign. All we have to be willing And if we are willing and have peace with God, then we can allow the Holy Spirit to accomplish this peace in our lives that blesses every human relationship. The power to show peace does not come from us as individuals. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Because peace, being able to live at peace with other people, being able to make peace, is something that is a gift of the Spirit fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. And yet it is our responsibility. Again, back to the Romans 12 passage. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you. And so as we recognize that we are celebrating today the birthday of the Prince of Peace, we are recognizing the price that He paid in order for us to have peace with Him. We are recognizing as well that He did not just pay this price so that we could have peace with Him, but so that this peace would reign in our lives. We need first the peace with Christ through repentance, and then we need to allow the Holy Spirit to apply this fruit in our lives. Because every relationship we have needs to be blessed by this peace. We need to be able to get along and love and have peace with our spouses, with our family members, with our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow church people, everyone, particularly God's people. If peace is not reigning in our lives, and it's as a result of ourselves, 
then it is because we have not applied the message of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. If peace does reign in our lives and in our hearts, because we have trusted in Christ, then we have a blessing that is great indeed. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we recognize that you are the Prince of Peace and we are here together this morning to worship and to glorify you. We thank you for bringing peace into our lives and into our hearts. We praise and honor you and we ask that you would work in our hearts, that we might live at peace with one another, that we would not allow petty disagreements or arguments or jealousies or any of these sorts of things, Lord, take away the peace and the unity that you have commanded us as your people to have with one another. But instead, glorifying you alone, we would have peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with all of those around you because we seek to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.